So Jesse, what did you think of our last episode about technology in schools? I thought it was dope, man. Like um, definitely, I think, you know, I had these kind of questions in my mind about like, why don't I want to take phones from students? And I think it really clarified a lot of stuff for me. And like a couple of the biggest takeaways I think I had, it was like this idea that like, we can't be trying to control everything that our students do. And by the way, I've been back teaching for a week now in, you know, students who are on distance learning for like a year and a half. And I think that's particularly important now. It's like, you know, they haven't had to ask people to go to the bathroom or when to get a snack or mm. blah, blah, blah. And I think it's really, really important. And I just had to like, let go of a lot of the stuff that I used to do. And just like, you gotta go, you gotta go to the bathroom, just go. Mm-hmm. You gotta ask me for no pass, like go, you know what I'm saying? And so, and I think that the phone conversation about not trying to control what they're doing at every minute of every single class um, and, uh, and control what they're able to do. I think that was, that was huge. That was, that was a huge takeaway for me. Um, and I think probably another one is, is that it's, it's pretty clear to me that uh, phones definitely have a lot more uh, benefit than cost in the classroom. Um, they can really be utilized in a lot of super cool ways. And one of the coolest ways that I thought Antero talked about was by um, creating these, uh, these games, you know, um, uh, these, uh, uh, you know, it was the alternate reality games. Um, and just the idea that like even high school kids like to play and that their thinking will come out in different ways if we're encouraging them to basically do make-believe stuff. You know, I like make-believe. I like to play. I got fun stuff. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I guess uh, the goal of this podcast is not just sort of pontificate uh, like professors like to do and have uh, insightful commentary and witty banter. It's also uh, to give uh, teachers tangible resources that they can use in the classroom. Um, so we call this special episode Curriculum Corner. Uh, we've invited back Katrina, uh, who, Katrina Rice, who's going to share with us some curriculum that she's used in her classroom. And she actually spoke about on, on the podcast. The lesson is available on our website. So if you go to burnrubberpodcast.com, it will be there eventually when I get around to making that website. Uh, And uh, this time we're recording our podcast over Zoom so you can see us uh, as we talk. And that'll be on the website as well. We're using technology to talk about technology today. So welcome back, Katrina. Good to be back. Katrina, tell us uh, about this lesson you created and how it connects with our conversation about with Antero. So one thing that I think came out in the conversation with Intero is that students are going to use phones. And that is just the reality. Um, Not even just in our class, but in life, they're always going to have a device next to them. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that we teach them what they need to know about how to engage appropriately with that device. Um, I always teach my students about safe sexting because Mm -hmm. I don't think they should be sexting and I know they are. So let's talk about how to do it safely, right? And so what are the things, the tools and resources we're giving students so that they can engage um, appropriately with their devices? That's like when you put a condom on top of the phone before you send someone a text message, right? Maybe I will share my safe sexting lesson too. And you can put that on the website for Jesse. Don't have him in as a guest speaker on this. It'll ruin it. It'll ruin the lesson. Um, So... I guess imagine, so you, you, you shared a little really cool lesson for a website. Imagine our listeners, our teachers who are interested in this particular lesson. I would love you to share your screen uh, and walk us through how you think the lesson ought to unfold uh, in the classroom. All right, here we go. So uh, this lesson is around cell phones and privacy, and it was taught within um, a unit that I did on the Fourth Amendment in a, um, it was a law class that also included a lot of civics. 
And so we were learning about the Fourth Amendment. And I think the way that the Fourth Amendment feels applicable to them is around the information on their cell phones. And so the inquiry questions, how much personal information is even on there? They don't really know how much information is there. Um, how much access do the apps on your phone have to your personal information? And we hope that they didn't understand what is on their phones and that they have the option to change their settings if they want to. Um, and so because it was within the Fourth Amendment lesson, this is also a good lesson if you teach um, psychology because there's ways that the that how we're addicted to our phone has some connections to what they're learning in psychology. Um, but we were doing it in, in a social studies course. So reviewing the Fourth Amendment um, and then make sure we have a clear understanding of the Fourth Amendment. And if apps are collecting data from your phone, do you consider that a search? Is that an unreasonable search or is that different than your interpretation? And as we know, so much of the constitution is still up for interpretation and it is interpreted differently, differently by different Supreme Courts and that's how it works. So also reminding them that interpretation is part of the lesson. Um, and how many of you read the terms and conditions before you download an app? And I can already tell you none of them do, um, but it's a good conversation to have that none of them are reading what they're consenting to. So then I actually have students take out their cell phones, which if you have students with cell phones, they just love that they <laughs> now have permission. They're like, you're letting me take out my cell phone, even though it's totally for the lesson. Um, so once they have their cell phones out, they go through. Uh, in most phones, right, there are different types of phones, but if you go to settings and go to app, you can click on an app and look at their permissions. And the students were shocked to find out that this game they're playing that they just play for fun because it's repetitive and it gets their mind off of other things actually has access to their files and their photos and their text messages. Um, and so kind of as they're doing it, right, you can facilitate a discussion or this discussion just happens because the students are like, wait, does your phone do this? Did you, well, how can I turn this off? I don't want you to know where I am all the time. Um, and so a lot of them are already starting to think about, do I want this app to know this information? And some students are okay with it, which is good too. It's good to have in that class, the variety of responses. Like, okay, this is too much. You don't need to know what's in my storage. And also like, I have nothing I hide. See whatever you want. I just want to be able to post my Snapchats or my TikTok videos. Um, so from that conversation, this is a hold up. Did you say the apps have uh, have access to my my photos? A lot of them do, yeah, because you gave them access when you said I want to post photos onto my social media. So because you want to post photos, they have access to all of your photos. They get even the ones I don't post. They have access to those. If you did, you give them access to you? I don't. I'm, I'm looking right now. I'm following these right now, and I, I'm trying to listen. And I'm I'm gonna do it later, but later I'm gonna follow this lesson because I'm pretty sure I, there's some photos on there I don't want uh, Facebook to see. So that's helpful. <laughs> Not sexting. Don't worry. Don't worry. I don't need to save yes. sexting conversation. But there's like you know stuff with my kids and you know stuff that I don't really want Facebook seeing. So and that's the, that's always the question. And we had a whole conversation about the NSA having access to our stuff. They say they don't look at it. They just have it in case they need it. So I'm sure Facebook isn't looking at the pictures, but I don't really know. We don't really know. Once we give them access, we don't know what they do with that access. And that's the decisions we have to that we have to sit with and, and know about. And um, and I think it's good then to move into I just found a quick YouTube clip from Social Dilemma. I think it's a good video to show pieces of from Netflix, but you can also just show the YouTube clip and it'll um, facilitate or, or spark some good conversations around why do they want this data? What, 
if I go, if I have a free Instagram account, but I know Instagram or I know Twitter makes all this money, Facebook makes all this money, where are they getting money from if my account is free? And then they start to realize that they're making money off of my addiction. I don't, I don't know if that's the best word to use, but they're making money off of my engagement by seeing how often I log on and then seeing what I text to my friends and then showing me um, ads for what they think I want to buy that are tailored just for me. The ads on my Instagram feed are different than the ads on your Instagram feed, which could be a whole nother conversation in itself. Mm-hmm. And so getting them to really start to understand that they're the products being sold when they give all of their information to these apps is uh, hopefully where the, where the lesson wants to, where we hope it lands. That's with great. The students. Yeah. Cool. So if I don't want Facebook having access to all of the pictures on my phone, I should put a condom over my phone. I got it. <laughs> lost. Lost cause. Yeah. Lost cause. <laughs> no, uh-huh. I think that's, that, I mean, I think this really does kind of speak to this idea though, that it's like, we shouldn't be taking phones away for students. We should be teaching them how to use them responsibly, you know, and to make sure that they are, you know, like to, to, to know that to how to protect themselves when they're using their phones as well, you know? And, and Katrina, how did students respond? What do you think they got out of this? So, I mean, then there's a conversation of some apps you pay for, and then they don't need all this information because they've made money off of your subscription. So if there's a game that you really like to play, you could play it for free and give them all this information or you could just pay for it. And then they actually still might take the information, but it might be easier to kind of turn off the notifications. Um, mm-hmm. But just, I think they really appreciated knowing they had a choice and finding this information out. Um, every year I teach students that like the government, the NSA has all this information from your phone, Facebook, Twitter, Google, they all have all this information and they're always shocked. <laughs> like I would, I, every year I was waiting for the group of students that were like, we already know this. And then I wouldn't have to teach it again, but they are always shocked to know that what's on their phone is not just for them. Uh, I think that's great. And I love that you connected to the Fourth Amendment, like thinking about like what are our constitutional rights and where does privacy, where does the right to privacy begin and end and thinking about what that means in this particular context, I think is really useful and applicable to their experience as citizens in this country. Um, And sort of thinking about themselves as political actors in democracy again. Uh, What are my rights and what rights do I have and how do I protect myself in this context? I think it's great. I hope teachers use it. You could definitely see that being used in a gov econ class when you're teaching the Bill of Rights, you know, mm -hmm. as well. So. And this always comes before the safe sexy lesson, because now, you know, everybody sees the picture you took. Ah, Not, Not just your intended recipient. So just consider that. Consider, yes, we should yeah, definitely consider that. Thank you, thank you so much, Katrina. I think this is great. I think your students are lucky to have you and to, to have this access to this great, these great material. And now other teachers do too, so that's awesome. Hey. Um, thanks so much. Um, Jesse, you put together something as well. I'm wondering, um, sort of you, tell us a little about your lesson um, and how, how Ontario's conversation inspired it. So, yeah, so I teach U.S. history and I was kind of, you know, and I was kind of thinking as we started to take, again, that that idea of like doing role playing in the classroom and stuff like that and playing games. And um, I was like, well, what instances do I do we do that in in our history class? You know, like what like when when do I do that in my class? And I was kind of thinking of the times where we try to do that. And, and one of the times that uh, that we do that in my history class is we do these things called CSIs. And so what the CSIs basically are for crime scene investigation is students are walking in. I've got like yellow tape, you know, uh, crime tape over. And I say, this is a crime scene as they're walking in. And I've kind of put throughout the room a bunch of different things that, uh, you know, like, you know, like little like uh, like 
like clues basically. And they basically go and they document all what all the clues are and stuff like that. And they try to figure out what happened. And usually it's, you know, and the crime that's going to happen is going to be related to like something that happened with the unit that we're studying. So for example, I have a CSI that's about um, the lynching of Emmett Till. And uh, this is a part of our like, you know, the civil rights uh, unit that I do. And when we're looking at the racism in the South that existed and stuff like that. So around the room, there's just a bunch of like, um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of clues that they'll be able to put together like a little toy gun. There's like, um, you know, there's, um, uh, there's like documents that I've been able to like print out that are like a transcript from the court case that happened. Um, you know, Emmett Till had like a ring on that his father had given to him. And so like, I, uh, you know, when, when he was, a uh, when he was murdered and I have like, I made like a little replica of that ring and I have this stuff kind of throughout the room students go around the room and they find this stuff. And I was like, it's, they're really cool and students really get into them, but they are so much work to make. Like mm -hmm. I have to find all this stuff. Like I, I, I would be going to like the dollar store and looking for all this stuff. And then I have to like store all this crap <laughs> in my classroom. And I have like five of these CSIs. So like, um, you know, so I was thinking, well, how could, and I was thinking about the scavenger hunt that students were doing on the, um, on uh, Antero's game, the Ask Anansi game. And, um, and I was like, and what students were doing was they were going around the school and they were scanning QR codes with their phone and the QR codes would lead to clues. And I was like, I think I could really actually easily adapt these CSIs to be less laborious for me and not take up so much room and kind of by digitizing it. Um, and then the other cool thing about it is, is that students could actually get out of the classroom to look for clues. Mm -hmm. um, they could actually be scattered throughout the campus. Um, and maybe there would even be times where the place where it was at on campus would be relevant to what the clue was. Um, so I made a little document. I just started this, so it's definitely not complete. But I will share with you what I've done so far. Um, so basically, these are QR codes. And I was able to generate these QR codes by simply finding websites that I wanted them to link to and then going to this site, which is QR code generator. And you just put the URL of uh, whatever site you want to link to. Um, it creates a QR code for that. And then you can download the QR code and you can put it onto like a Google Doc. And what I would probably do is I would, um, I would cut these out and I would kind of put them around campus. Um, you know, and students would basically go out in groups and kind of look for these QR codes and then scan them with their phone. And you can do this just with the camera on your phone. You can scan them and they would link. So like this first QR code that's right here, um, this actually links to Billie Holiday singing Strange Fruit, which would be mm. a part of the CSI. Um, this one down here um, leads to a, uh, a picture of Emmett Till. Um, and it's kind of the like before after picture of Emmett Till, um, what he looked like after, uh, you know, like in, in the open casket that, um, that, uh, he was in and what he looked just a, a picture of him. Um, this right here is a link to a, um, a map that shows, um, lynchings throughout the United States. And you can see that they're heavily concentrated in the South. Um, so just stuff like that. And I was just kind of thinking like, what would students do as they collected these, these clues? And this is kind of a common template that I use in my history class a lot for um, getting students to just kind of, um, you know, think like historian, um, identifying what you see. Um, so that would be the first box they'd kind of fill out and then evaluating like what might make this clue important? How does it, you know, how does it fit into the puzzle? And then, you know, how does this evidence fit into this investigation? What does it show or what does it prove, you mm -hmm. know? So they would fill that out as they were collecting pieces of evidence. Um, so digitizing the, uh, the CSIs, um, having students do that 
um, and, and making it easier on me. That's pretty great. I'm, I'm wondering how students respond to these CSIs. What do they, what do they take from it? You know, they like them. It's like they it's, it's funny because like the first one we'll do of the year, they come in, there's like yellow tape up and, I, you know, and I'm hella I'm hella playing. I was like, they're like, why is a yellow tape on? And I'm always like, there was a crime committed in here. Right. Yeah. And they, and they, they kind of look at the tape and, you know, they from Oakland. So they just got to slip underneath it. Like, whatever, <laughs> man, <laughs> just go in anyway. But by by the end of the year, after we've done like four or five of these things, it's like they see the yellow tape and like you know, and they'll, they'll get kind of excited. Oh, cool. We doing CSI today. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. You know? And so, mm-hmm. so they like it, you know, like they get to, you know, and, and, and cause they're moving around, they're talking to each other, they're role-playing a little bit because they're like these investigators um, and stuff like that. So, um, so I, again, I think that role-play stuff um, where you can put it in there, it does, it just, it just gives kids a chance to act like kids um, while thinking. You know, so it makes learning fun, but it also, I think, makes them thinking, you know, like they do not make, they do not try as hard to make good inferences when I just ask them to do so as their teacher. Yeah. You know? well, so, and it's, when it's a role play, it gets, it gets more serious and they take it more I serious. also really love that, like, you have a song playing um, because what you described before, it was hard to have different types of clues and evidence, but like a whole song and then just playing it in class might not have the same impact as like discovering the song and making the connection. And so it just shows again, the way technology can bring in so many different elements into the lesson. Yeah. And, and, and speaks to kids who love music um, and appreciate music and hits their different modalities of learning, which is, I think is really important and it can be done really well through technology. I think every CSI I have, I've always tried to find one song, you know, and usually I've got my laptop up there and they like press play on it and they listen to it, but you know. Yeah, QR code makes it cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much to you both. I really appreciate you sharing these materials. I really hope they're useful for teachers who are listening. Uh, remember, check out this, this, all, this great curriculum and our great podcast uh, on burnrubberpodcast.com. Uh, thank you both for being with us. This was fun. Thank you.